From Relay FM, this is the ninth annual Upgradies Award. These award ceremonies are brought to you by our fine sponsors. They are Memberful, Hover, and Rocket Money. My name is Mike Hurley, and I will be one of your hosts for this evening, and I am joined by Jason Snow. Hello, Jason Snow. Hi, Mike Hurley. How is it possible that this is the ninth annual Upgradies? So I will say this is one of those things where, like, I reckon I'm a relatively smart person, but I can't really truly get my head around this being the ninth when we haven't been doing the show for nine years. And I know that like you count at one, not zero, like I get it, but nevertheless, it really breaks my brain that next year will be the 10th annual upgrade is, but upgrade won't be 10 until 2024. You know. Right. Well, it's because we, yeah, the first annual upgrades was only, first annual, also not a thing that you are supposed to say. But now, retroactively, maybe we could say it. The first, the original upgrades was uh, only a couple months after we started the podcast. So Now it would be the first annual, though, right? Because it was the first and it is annual. So In, in retrospect, it was the first uh, annual upgrades, yes. But at the time, it wasn't. And That's a, for the people that don't know 16. this joke, this is a thing. 16. Oh my God, I can't believe that. People, uh, like I was really focused on this being the first annual and Jason did not like that. I kept calling it the first annual. But now we've done nine of them. So who's laughing now? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, me. I'm laughing now. Good. <laughs> uh, I'd like to give some thanks before we begin the upgrades because this is a whole production every year. Uh, I'd like to thank Chris Breen for our special theme music. Chris actually composes all of the upgrade themes, but this is a special one, so we want to give thanks to Chris for that. Uh, thank you to David Dooley for our artwork and branding for this year's uh, extravaganza. We can now extend our thanks to Jim Metzendorf for producing and editing the episode. That is a new one now that we've added this year. Uh, thank you to all of the Upgradians for submitting their nominations. And you can find previous winners and Hall of Fame entrants at Upgradies.com. And we can thank Zach Knox for building and maintaining this website. Uh, to protect spoilers, we won't be putting any of the winners in the show notes. They will be at Upgradies.com. But similarly, don't go there until you've listened to it all unless you want spoilers, right? Because it's all going to be there. Exactly. Uh, and I guess a programming note before we begin the extravaganzas uh, this year. I don't think that that's the right words, but we're going to go with it anyway. Sure. We changed some categories this year. We've done this a few times in the past. We kind of refined some categories, add some categories, just as things uh, change. We did best holiday gift for a couple of years, but then sometimes recorded the upgrades before the holidays, so it doesn't really work out, you know? Um, but we've made some more changes this year. We now have a game of the year category which is for all games, no longer an iOS game of the year, just game of the year. So just all games can be included. Similarly, we've removed the multiple podcast categories that we had and now just have a favorite podcast category. So it's similar to the other media like book, TV, movies. So, we, you know, we previously had like newcomer and tech podcast and just podcast. Now it's just favorite podcast is all of them. However, the Lifetime Achievement Award winners of the flop house and ATP that carries over. So they continue to be lifetime award winners. They are no longer, they are still no longer eligible for uh, an, um, an award because they have achieved mm -hmm. lifetime status. And I was looking over the previous winners. It is possible that we could crown some more lifetime award winners in some other categories in today's uh, upgrades, depending on how things fall. Maybe we'll talk about that a little later on. Well, that's exciting. Should we get going? Yeah, let's do it. Let's begin, as we always do, with the best iOS app. 
for the ninth annual Upgradies, Jason. What mm. is your nomination for best iOS app? I decided to go with Flighty. Yes. Um, now that I am traveling more, I don't know if I mentioned Flighty last time or not, but it's just such an impressive app. It's not cheap, you know, because flight data is not cheap. But I, it, as a uh, flight tracker, uh, before, during, after, telling you what gate you're in and if your flight's been delayed and what the you know average flight is on that route, is it early, is it late? Uh, and then this year it added um, live updates, including in the Dynamic Island. Yeah. So having taken a few trips since then and also had some friend trips where I'm like, because they have the ability to add trips that aren't your trips um, and you can monitor them. So like when I'm picking my kids up at the airport, I've been using Flighty with the live activities in the Dynamic Island and it, it's just great. And I'm just such an impressive, well-designed app. Um, it's not for everyone uh, and I don't use it every day, but every time I use it, I'm impressed at how good it is. Yeah, there's been like a combo of updates that the app has received uh, this year, which has ended up resulting in just an excellent year for the app, right? As you mentioned, the live mm -hmm. activity support, but they also added the offline tracking as well, which worked really well. So like even in your, right. when you're on the plane, it does a better job of like giving you a, a more accurate estimation, which then works really well with the live activities. So you don't even need to open the app and it's giving you like information that it can. And also I think they're doing a thing where you can, if a plane has Wi-Fi, you can get some yes. updates from the plane's Wi-Fi, even if you don't sign up for the plane Wi-Fi, which is very cool. Right, because, yeah, because the uh, a lot of uh, airplane Wi-Fi will support iMessage. And when you support iMessage, you're actually supporting everything that comes from Apple's push notification server. Genius. And that's where app notifications come from, obviously, which means that the live up activity gets updated invisibly over the airplane Wi-Fi, even if you're not paying, as long as you've got the iMessage stuff turned on. And it totally works. It's amazing. Uh, so I have a couple of apps, a, a small selection of apps that I wanted to bring uh, for, mm -hmm. for my nominations. And I'll, I'll give my final nomination once I've kind of spoken about these a little bit. So one of the great things about the upgrade is as we say every year, this is the awards ceremony where you get to come behind the curtain and actually hear the deliberation of the awards before right. it being given. Right. And I, I should mention, by the way, because I didn't, I didn't give a, a runner up here that's not my nomination, but I will mention Ferret Recording Studio, which is my favorite iP uh, iPad uh, and favorite actually podcast editing app just got an update just came out it's amazing i feel like we've nominated and probably awarded ferrite in the past um but it's great uh i feel like it's even more esoteric an app than flighty is but i do love it and so it, it was in my consideration list i just decided not to go with it ferrite won best newcomer in 2015 there you go and it's wow. been a, so long ago a, a runner-up as best ios app uh, two times right because of course i love it and so i keep mentioning yep. it but anyway it's at it's at version three now and is uh is great so i also wanted to give a nod to flighty for all of the reasons that you mentioned um you know like one of the other features that i really enjoyed that they added with that friends flight thing where you can track friends flights it doesn't uh, then get added to your own statistics as it used to before. Right. So I like that they added that. It's like a smart way to do it. And I would say as well, for an, it is an expensive app and some people will find use in it, some won't. But I really like that they have very flexible in-app purchase stuff 
where like you can buy for a short period of time. There's some information that if, if someone's a paying user, they can share flight information with somebody else who isn't. It is a very well-built, maintained, and designed application. Um, I also wanted to give a nod similarly to Carrot Weather. It's just another one of these apps that just yeah. continues to get so many new features, like to a level that I don't even understand how you can keep adding so many new features to a weather app. And like some of them are fun, but some of them are like legit, really good, like useful things for a weather app. Plus, Brian Mueller just continues to add so many more uh, features in for the customization and visual customization stuff. It can be a bit overwhelming sometimes to do this stuff in Carrot Weather. But what I like about it is kind of like for me, you do it once and you kind of set and then you can maybe tweak things a little bit over time. Uh, but then I also wanted to give uh, a nod to City Mapper. It's an app that I've only started using this year. It's been around forever uh, here. It's like a mapping application. It works in only some cities around the world. It kind of needs good public transport for the app to be of any use. Um, and their live activity support is bar none. Like, so for example, I used it today. Uh, I was going into London and in the live activity, Jason, you can stay, they have like a representation of a London underground like line with all the little dots on it and your circle is moving across and it will say like, it will update like two more stops, one more stop, get off here. Like it is unbelievable the amount of information they're packing into live activities. And so it just kind of means that your phone is constantly letting you know where you are on your trip. Um, in a way that I've never seen before. So I just think like the app is great. All of the service is great, but their live activity support is just superb. Now, of course we have the Upgradians. Uh, the Upgradians with 14.9% for Apollo, which is basically the same every single year. Uh, this category is typically yes. always Apollo uh, at the top. Yep, 15% use Reddit mm -hmm. and they all use Apollo. They use Apollo. I understand. Carrot Weather at 12.5% and Tweetbot at 4.8%. Mm -hmm. I think we should give it to Flighty, personally. I think we should. Because I it, it's both an app that we brought to this, uh, and that, like, it's like an, it feels like a good win, and I think a deserved win. And then Carrot Weather as a runner-up? Uh, sure. We usually give two runners-up, so I figured we'll just go with Apollo, because <laughs> right? it was the Upgradians vote. Sure. So for the best iOS app of 2022, congratulations to Flighty. Flighty. Along with runners-up Carrot Weather and Apollo. So let's talk about best newcomer iOS app. What has uh, been interesting to you? What's a new app that's come across your radar this year that you want to talk about? Um, I, am, I have two that I wanted to mention. Actually, very late last year, I came across a new app called uh, Mela. Mm. I don't know if we mentioned it last time or not, but uh, Mela, I think it was a little too late to mention it last year, in fact. Uh, it's a recipe app, and I have been using, I've been trying to use recipe manager apps on Apple platforms since the 90s, <laughs> and none of them have stuck. But Mela has stuck. I've been using Mela for a year. All of our regular recipes are in it now. Um, among the things I like about it, it looks good. It's got a great design. It's got a great web clipping feature. It does a good job of pulling recipes out of web pages and putting them in your catalog. Um, it is uh, a delight to use. It syncs. It does iCloud sync. It, you can have shared sync. So I've got all our recipes. Lauren's got all our recipes. Yep. We add a new recipe. We both see it. That's really great too. 
And, you know, using my iPad as the recipe guide for cooking something has become uh, really common. And I like it. So, uh, so big fan of Mela, uh, relatively new app and, uh, and uh, new to me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, big fan. Mel is great. It's uh, made by the guy who makes Reader, the RSS Reader, Reader app. Yeah, and so Silvio Rizzi. You know, it's like a clever app for them to build. Yeah, Silvio, because it's a lot of text parsing to to do yes. good recipe applications because you've got to pull out the life story before you get to the recipe. Right. Exactly. Yes. The oh boy. Uh, whole sidebar about how every time you try to Google a recipe, because obviously there's an SEO best practices Mm -hmm. and the SEO best practices is write several thousand words about how you were feeling on the day you decided to make the dish and all the details of what towels were in the kitchen. And then eventually there's a recipe and they have to parse all of that and just say, here's the recipe. It's much better. And then the other one I wanted to float as a nomination is it's a game. So it may come up in the games too, but mm-hmm. I wanted to float it here. It's Zach Gage. Uh, of course, not words. New game from Zach Gage and Jack Schlesinger. And it is like a backward crossword puzzle. Mm-hmm. It's basically the shape of a crossword puzzle. And you know what letters are in various points in the puzzle and then from that you have to figure out what the words are and solve it but there are no there are no clues the clues are just the letters that go in various squares it is perfect like it, it's a just a beautifully done game and i will tell you that in the 365 days of of tw- well that's not too because i don't remember exactly when it came out but i'll put it this way i've probably played not words at least 250 days this year. Mm. So not every day, but most days. And I am not an everyday puzzle person. I'm just not. My wife is uh, very much an everyday puzzle person. Um, and she has adopted this too, by the way. So she it, it gets her seal of approval, which uh, from Lauren that is saying something. But um, I also love it. I think it's just the perfect application of kind of the crossword concept to, and, the, and there are like harder puzzles and simple puzzles. So you get like three different puzzles a day and there are puzzle books if you want to go back and like do extra puzzles. It's just, it's it's such a good app uh, and and so fun and uh, and has earned a, a spot on my home screen of my iPad. Hmm. This isn't one that I've played. I don't know why. I, I play all Zach Gage games, but this one must have just come out and I missed it. It's really good. It's really good. And you don't need to know, unlike crosswords where you've got to like, no like solve the clue this is about like solving what the word is that's there yeah. it doesn't matter what it means it's like what word goes there and it's it's very smart really good game so ios 16 brought that feature the what is it object or person detection feature where you can just press your finger on somebody and drag them out of an image right right uh i couldn't really work out how this would be useful for me in any way until an app called sticker drop came across my radar sticker drop allows you to make iMessage stickers out of the things that you can drag out of images so people objects that kind of thing you drop them into the application and then they show up in your iMessage for you to make iMessage stickers out of it is a wonderful little app very well done very smart Uh, it has some great little features for how you can customize the stickers you can put fun borders around them so it kind of makes them look less weird that they're these like things or people that are cut out uh uses uh, you can you can kind of do it from a share sheet right so you can bring up the share sheet and add it but you can also just use the ios drag and drop system to drag it out and then just drop it into sticker drop you open the app and just drop it in 
Uh, it is a very well done application. I think it is excellent uh, and I'm a huge fan of it. And I think it's just one of these things where it's like a developer had a really smart idea after hmm. seeing a feature and then just made it happen. It's Aaron Stevenson is the developer's name. And the upgrade has agreed with me. It was 6.6% of the vote went to Sticker Drop. This is probably one of the closer categories. There's so many different suggestions this year. And nobody got a, a do, even a double-digit percentage of the overall. Uh, up Ahead is an application that I'd not heard of, and it came in at 5.5%. This is a really cute-looking application. Kind of reminds me of Animal Crossing in its design. And it's a countdown kind of app. So things that you've got coming on, like coming up in your life you put them into up ahead and it's like it's a very good looking application to display to you your thing you know your upcoming things and it's got really nice widgets and just like great uh, fun little design so that came in at second uh, in the upgradians with 5.5% and then runestone at 4.9% i thought to myself is this a game no it is a text no, editor. No, <laughs> it's a text editor for iOS. I was this thinking is, of RuneScape. This is, <laughs> this is Simon uh, who did uh, Scriptable, uh, and and he decided he would build a text editor for his app, but also for other people to use. And so he built uh, he built RuneStone and worked really, really, really hard on it, and uh, and then. It put it into an app, and it's also an open source framework that other people can use and are using mm. in their iOS apps as well. That's cool. To have good text editors for that, but it's a it's a very simple because it is like a, a text editor engine that um, was built to be in kind of other apps, but it uses the standard you know Apple file uh, dialog basically or file sidebar. So you open it, and there's sort of nothing there except a file browser, and you tap on a file, and it opens in the text editor, and then you edit the text, and it's very nice. Um, it was fun to see that come to uh, come to fruition because you know Simon's been detailing his work on his uh, on his new text editor for Scriptable for a long time, and it um, and it and sort of doing it publicly, and that this is where it ended up. It's, so now we've got to make our decisions, and so I went over to I have a Google sheet here where I keep this stuff, and I was just reminded by like last year for the newcomer iOS app, all of the like the winners and the runners up were all Safari extensions. Because they had the new right. Safari extensions on iOS, and it's just interesting looking at this that there isn't a similar thing here, right? Like there wasn't like a particular type of app that was introduced, like oh, like some kind of feature that was introduced where a bunch of developers could make a similar kind of application, right? I mean, I would push for sticker drop here, you know. Both Mike and the Upgradians agree. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, if you if you confirm it because i saw this too and i'm like what is that app and i thought stick i mean honestly i message stickers really but i think it's interesting that they're using the whole idea here is they're using that lift the content mm -hmm. out of your photo and turn it into a sticker thing so if you vouch for it yep. and the upgradings vouch for it i'm okay with it i mean you can and as well you can use these stickers in other applications as well like it's possible to do that but like i just like that it makes <laughs> use of two features that i otherwise wouldn't really use and because hmm. they work so well together i do use Sticker drop for iMessage stickers. It's like particularly fun. You have memes of friends, like maybe pictures of each other that are just like memes that you use. Well, then you can make, create iMessage stickers out of them again instead. Uh, and should we, let's go. Uh, I'm, I would like to put Mela and Not Words in as our runner up. Okay, great. Thank you. I appreciate it. And Not Words sounds fun. And Mela, I am a big fan of too. So it's a really great app. So moving to best Mac app. Oh, boy. I have a nice collection this time. Okay. For best Mac app. You know, this is always hard. Again, best Mac app. 
where it can be anything. I try to think of this year because I could literally just say, well, you know, BB Edit and Fantastic Hal. And, you know, I, I can come up with my list of the apps that I use all the time. Um, but I wanted to highlight four. Great. The first is is Audio Hijack 4. The brand new version of Audio Hijack came out this year. It has support for scripting and shortcuts. And it was transformative in my workflows because I can now uh, control uh, what Audio Hijack does and communicate with it and see what it's doing and have scripts react to it. It's just changed so much of what I do mm-hmm. now that I can press a button and a Audio Hijack sort of like does what I expect it to do. Yeah, we'll just love it and have been you know obviously we podcasters audio hijack is what we use mac podcasters this is the tool this is it this is the thing i will say i also have audio hijack as one of mine and i do very little of the scripting but enough what i will say for me the thing that really changed with audio hijack this time is they finally added the ability for you to manually make the connections between the blocks where previously yes. it was doing it also itself. True. And that could be frustrating if you were trying to make the window as small as possible. And so I really like that you can you can manually edit the connections between the blocks now. Um, that made a big difference to me. And like just that feature on its own, it would have got the nod from me, let alone everything else that they added. And also the old version of Audio Hijack was a lot more sort of stateful where you had to have it open and you had to have the windows open. And now if you if you using the scripting engine or whatever, you're using its menu bar items, say, just start this one. Yeah. It just does it yeah. and it runs. And the design's good. The new design's good too. And 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 not having to have that, like, I got to leave it open. I got to leave and then hide the app or I got to bring it forward and all that. You don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. So they really did. It's not just the scripting. The scripting was the biggest win for me, but you're right. The fact that you can actually, you've got a complex system. You can not have it do the auto connections and you can connect all the blocks together yourself. There are also new plugins for it. It's a huge update uh, and is great. And if you're anybody who does any kind of audio on the Mac, because it's not just for podcasters, it's any recording yep. or routing or anything. It's just a, a an indispensable tool. Yep. So any audio on your Mac can be recorded of Audio Hijack. Just think about what you might want to use that for. It's awesome. And given that this was a new version, I especially wanted to mention it this year, yep. even though I could mention it every year. Mm-hmm. I want to mention, well, okay, so Ecamm Live. Let's put that in, in the list here. Ecamm Live. Uh, I wrote a piece about this on Six Colors this year. Ecamm Live is a video streaming app. And I wrote about it a while ago about how I tried to use it and felt like it was just too frustrating for me and I gave up on it. And because it was so limited. And the beauty of Ecamm Live is it's like these big cross-platform things like OBS and Streamlabs where... Uh, it's an open source project and then it's been customized and it runs on all platforms and all the windows streamers use it, but it's also on the Mac. And that's those, those apps are out there on the Mac and, and they've actually gotten a lot better in the yeah. last year. And that's great. What I love about Ecamm live is e- the Ecamm guys and they did call recorder and they've done, they've done so many different little Mac utilities. Ecamm is a Mac developer and Ecamm live is a completely Mac Mac-like, understandable as a Mac user, and fast <laughs> because it's just made for the Mac. Uh, it, in contrast to some of those cross-platform tools, which at least on the Mac aren't that great. They're okay, but they're not that great. It's not cheap, again, but it's so good and it's so Mac-like, and I really appreciate that about it. And the best thing about it is 
I, I used it. I was frustrated at how limited it was. It was a very new app, but I was frustrated at how limited it was. I went away for a year, year and a half, came back and tried it again. And everything that had bugged me about it had been fixed. And I, and I loved that about it too, that, that this is an actively developed app that they really care about. And they have all sorts of streamers who use it. And they, they also use them to do all their demos and to do their walkthroughs. And like, they built up this whole kind of like structure and community around it, including in their marketing. I think it's super smart. And I love that at the center of it, it is a, it is a very good Mac app that that is actively being developed and trying to address its limitations. And that was such a great thing to see this year that it had evolved so much. And so now that is the app I use to stream video, period. That's it. I've thrown away Streamlabs and OBS and I just use Ecamm Live. That's cool. I mean, I, similarly to you, I tried it when it came out and was like, oh, this is interesting, but like it doesn't work the way that I want it to. Or there are things that it doesn't do. You and Steven both have streaming PCs. I would yep. argue that in 2022, we got to the point where a Mac user really doesn't need a streaming PC yep. unless they're literally streaming PC things. Unless you're doing games. Yeah, yeah. unless you're doing games. But if you if you are just using it to stream like live streams, there was a time when the smart move was to get a PC to do that dedicated because OBS ran so much better on Windows than it did on the Mac. Not only is OBS way better now, but Ecamm Live is a perfectly viable, completely viable uh, solution and integrates with Stream Deck and all of those other things too. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I went from being really disappointed in this app to to uh, coming back a year later and and loving it. Cool. And uh, my last mention, which is an app that actually won Best Newcomer last year, but it's still it's still not even at version one, <laughs> still not being charged for, but being continually updated. And I have come to rely on it on my Mac every day. Is MimeStream? Yep the questionably named Gmail client that feels like what if Apple Mail was way better and super tuned for Gmail. Yep. And um, I I was so sad when Mailplane, the web wrapper, the Mac app wrapper around Gmail's web interface went away. Um, I was so sad about that. And now um, it's like it never happened because I'm all in on MimeStream and it's great. And every time I go back and I use Apple Mail, I roll my eyes a little bit because it's just not nearly as good as MimeStream. So for me, Audio Hijack 4, as I mentioned, is an easy one. I also wanted to give a nod to Timery. Timery is just like Joe is just not stopping with Mac features, which is amazing, mm. you know, because obviously he's, you know, I, I would assume biggest market is ios right it's where the app started and i think for a lot of people it makes sense to, to do the tracking there because of all the widgets and that kind of stuff but like like me the reason i wanted timery on my mac to do my time tracking is it's where i'm doing my work now right it's where i do my work and having the menu bar app yeah. the way that it is and just so many like little mac things like you can set a preference you start a timer and it just throws a cursor into a text box which you can start typing in and get record like suggestions for what time you want to run based on the history of timers that you've run like with projects and tags and all that kind of stuff put together so like for example i can go to timery you know use the keyboard command to bring up a new timer and just type up for upgrade and it will give me upgrade prep upgrade recording, upgrade editing, and I can just choose which one of those I want. It's very easy to do all that kind of stuff. The app is just, just continues to get better and better on all platforms, including the Mac. And so, yeah, I wanted to give a nod for Timery. It's great. The Upgradians voted at 6.7% for Safari. 
which is interesting. 4.3% for Craft and 3.5% for Obsidian. You know, okay. Obsidian is a really interesting app, right? And it's very powerful. And I appreciate that about it. But I will say that if I nominated Slack or 1Password in this category. People love Obsidian, man. They just love Obsidian. People would be like, oh my God, but it's not even a real app. It's just a collection of web things that are wrapped Mm -hmm. on the Mac. And Obsidian is that too. Mm -hmm. But I guess uh, everybody's okay with it because they do love it. And that's fine. I specifically, I'm not not nominating 1Password, by the way, because uh, of how it's built. Um, I actually... There are things I really like about the new version of 1Password, and I do rely on it, but there's also a bunch of interface choices that they made that I think are, are not good, and it frustrates me enough that I wasn't going to I wasn't gonna nominate it regardless of how they built it. Yeah, I'm kind of like that. I'm a bit neutral on the new 1Password. I like some of it, but I also don't like some of it. Like I used to be able to get to my credit cards really easily, and now it's like I've got to go find my credit cards because it doesn't want to show them to me. And I don't understand why they they think I use one password in a way that I don't. They think I need access in the sidebar to a bunch of things that I don't, and not the things that I do. And it's really frustrating. And uh, so this year, I'm definitely not going to pr- propose it. But I just want to point out, Obsidian is funny. One. Is, uh, it's funny one to have. In well, it, it, it's very funny. But I get why people like it and the power of it. it, it I've tried it. It doesn't work for the way I work. But I every time I hear somebody like Federico talk about how he's using it, I'm amazed by it. And I think that's so cool. But that that's where it ends for me. <laughs> so runners up, I want to start with runners up. I would say okay. we should probably go with I mean, I don't want to get I mean, I don't really want to give Safari the best mecca. I just don't want No. So I would say maybe could we should we go with a pick timery? Because I love it. And Ecamm for you, because we haven't spoken about that one before. Yeah, let's do it. And then we'll Ecamm Live, and then we'll put Audio Hijack as the winner. And you know what that does? It creates. Oh, is it in the Hall of Fame? It creates our third lifetime award winning individual group. So now Audio Hijack has now won the best Mac app three times. It won in 2022, it won in 2018, and it won in 2016. So it was won three times overall, and that's the rule. You win three times, become a lifetime award winner. You're no longer eligible for the future. And this stops you know, the, the idea of just like some categories which have been the same apps all the time. So we want to mix things up. So congratulations to Rogan Mieber and Audio Hijack. Not only have you picked up a win this year, you are now a lifetime award winner, making the third lifetime award winner. This is the first non-podcast <laughs> lifetime yeah, award right. winner. Finally, those podcasters will stop talking about audio hijack. I know. So, or will we? Oh, will we? <laughs> no one could know. So that's really cool. I'm happy about that. And so, uh, yeah. should we move on to best newcomer Mac app? The entire reason that we have Upgradians do the voting. This is yeah. Let's do it. We created it because it could be complicated. So I would tell you, even though I have been using my Mac more this year than I have in years, I don't have an app to nominate in the best newcomer Mac app. There hasn't been anything that okay. has really made a significant impact on me that has received a release in the last year. Like, there are lots of apps that have been updated and all that kind of stuff, and you know, I've taken great use of them and I've loved them, but I haven't had any brand new applications to me uh, that mm-hmm. I felt 
will would be would be a nomination for me. Well, in a shocking uh, turn of events, I am going to nominate Mimestream, our previous winner in this newcomer okay. category. <laughs> Because it's still at version 0.40.1 yeah, and see, hasn't come out yet. Okay, so this is interesting. I saw you do this, and it's also, <laughs> spoilers, 4% of the Upgradians voted for Mimestream, making it third. Now, I love Mimestream, but it's also so not a newcomer. The newcomer category. It's I not agree. A newcomer. I agree. I just, I, I, I laugh about it because it seems new because it's still version zero. And it also just feels very much like it's in active development, which it is, but I mean, like really, really proper active yeah. development of like, yeah. is an update every week kind of active development. Yeah. And he, and he hasn't shipped it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also nominate Audio Hijack 4 in this category because it's yeah, yeah, I see that. new version, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure if, I mean, it, if that really counts and it just got the, 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 the Hall of Fame. So, it's hard. The other app I thought of, and I have not used it a lot, but I've read a lot of uh, writing about it, and I've used it a little bit. I've been trying to use it more. Is this app Raycast? Yeah, which is like a 2020s take on the quick launchers that we all got like 20 years ago. So, like Alfred, and and my personal favorite Launch Bar. Um. And Raycast, it's basically one of those. I think what's different about it is that um, it's new. (laughs) And I like that it's new. This is a category that felt like it was was basically set, right? Yeah. I can't believe there's a new one of these applications. Right. I mean, it started with Quicksilver... And then you got Alfred and Launch Bar, and the, and it was a real thing in what the two thousands. Yeah, and then right? Spotlight, right? And then Spotlight picked up a lot of the features of it. Mm-hmm. It's true in the default OS, although not you know again, it's an Apple feature, so it's for the masses and simplified and all of that. So Raycast existing, I think, is kind of cool. I I have moments where I really like the fact that somebody is trying very hard to build a new version of these with the sensibilities of the modern era, right? They don't have, they don't have to support existing users. They don't have to uh, have an evolving code base that's been around for 20 years. Uh, Raycast can be built for just a brand new world and a new set of, you know, whatever is current on the Mac today, integration with shortcuts and all those things. Not to say that the other apps don't have that, but they have to, you know, right? They're building brick by brick over over twenty years, and Raycast comes in. And it's like we got a new take on it. Yep. I like that about it. What I don't like about it a little bit is that it feels like um, they're reinventing the wheel, <laughs> and there's something about their um, their writing and their company where they, you know, they talk about oh, we got an investment and we're building this and we've got this thing that we're doing. Where I feel like it's very congratulatory for literally reinventing apps that have already existed for twenty years. Like it doesn't feel new. It feels like a new take on an old thing. And yet the way it's marketed is sort of like, oh, it'll blow your mind. Look at what it does. I'm like, hmm. Mm. So I'm torn a little bit, but what I do like about it is it feels like a real Mac app. <laughs> it is designed for Mac productivity. There are not a lot of those uh, apps out there. And I do, this is a category that is near and dear to my heart. I love these quick launchers. I think that they can be incredibly powerful. So I, um, 
I want to support it, but I also have that moment where I think, and yet at the end of the day, it really is just playing a song that we all know from 20 years ago. Yeah, it's an interesting app. I know a lot of people that have come to really like it. And, you know, it's also doing some interesting stuff. Like it has window management tools built into it because like, why not? Um, and I like that someone's putting all this effort into the Mac. I'm intrigued about the company and, and what they're up to. You know, they take an investment. They have a team's plan, but it's like really hard to give them money. <laughs> like, they, you know, the amount that they give away for free before they start charging is really interesting. So I am I wonder where this app's going to go. It's It's been kind of in the corner of my eye for a while. Um, I might... You know, I've been I've been flying, trying to use it, like trying it out. I use Alfred, and I'm a very happy Alfred customer. But I am really intrigued by all of the integrations that Raycast have. Like, they, there's like a bunch of extensions. This is kind of like Obsidian, really, where people can write extensions for the app. And that's the part that I like about it, right? When I say that it's modern, that's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, we're going to build this thing, and then we're going to do the very modern thing of we're going to have all these different extensions to you know web services and things in the system, and we're going to build those things out, and they're extensible. And it's not like the other apps don't do it, but again, the other apps do it in a way that is more of the 15, 20 years ago take, because that's where they when they evolved. And this thing is like a fresh take on it, and that 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 part I find very yeah very interesting. Uh, it's just, you know, again, tempered with the fact that the, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of new ground being broken here. I mean, if you want an example of its newness, the one of the the the, the most the top featured extension right now is to interact with GPT-3. So you can do oh that boy. inside of Raycast in case, I don't know, you need to do it immediately. Don't do that. So the Upgradians at 4% with MimeStream because they believe, like you do, that it's a new app. It's new to you. 5.8% for Diffusion B which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but like, you know, like, and was a, of the now in a way that I, I kind of like. For sure. Um, and 9.8% for Arc Browser from the browser company, which is fascinating because there's quite a big margin to the second app and it's not publicly available. It is a closed beta that you can get an invite to it. You can just put your name down, you get put on a list. Um, this is an app that I'm really, I am personally really interested in. So I see people that use Arc. They post things that Arc does, you know, and like I've seen people they build these like homepages that are like a collection of six live like tiles of other pages, and they love. It's like just do really interesting stuff, and like people write their own code injections that just get added in really simply. I think this is going to be a big deal, Arc, but it's got to come out first. I agree. So I'm I'm kind of stuck here with with what is the winner in this category and what are the runners up. There's an overlap, but I mean, I don't know about giving an app best newcomer twice, but like we make the rules, <laughs> so it, maybe it's kind of funny to do that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You know, I think so. I think we should uh, do it. I knew you were going to. All right. So MimeStream does a almost impossible. Two years in a row is the best newcomer. Ship 1.0, Neil. We could end up in it. a weird situation where next year MimeStream becomes a lifetime winner in the best newcomer category, which would be right? very weird. That would be amazing. Uh, and let's go with Raycast. And I want to put Diffusion yeah. B in as a runner-up. Okay. Just because sure. it's like it tells Why a not? time in history. 
as we look mm-hmm. back. You know, when we're doing the 18th annual upgrades, we'll be like, oh yeah, that was the year everybody thought that AI art was the thing that we were all going to do with our time. This episode is brought to you by Memberful. Memberful is a wonderful service that we use here at Relay FM to power our membership program. And it's something that you might want to check out if you're looking for the very easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. It is used by some of the biggest creators on the web to generate sustainable, recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream. Maybe your business's financial situations have changed in the past couple of years, and now you want a proven solution that's quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and grow. Memberful handles all of the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly, while also leaving you with full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. I really love this about Memberful. So when people go to our checkout pages, it's got our logo and it's got our branding on it. Like it looks like it's coming from us, which you as a customer would want, you know, because you feel like, oh yeah, okay, this is Relay FM. It's got their logo on it. Like I can put my information in here. And I really like how easy it is for uh, our members to get the exclusive content that we do. You know, they make it very easy to get uh, the podcast feeds and add them to your app of choice. It's really very seamless. Memberful has everything you need to run a membership program, including an optimized checkout, Apple Pay integration, easy member management, dashboard analytics. They recently gave this a big overhaul and their analytics have gotten even better than they already were. Free trials, gift subscriptions, and more. And Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools you're already using, including lots of fully managed integrations with the most popular services like WordPress, Discord, and tons more. You can even send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. You can publish your paid newsletter content to a Memberful-hosted members-only website, and there's no additional fee when signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans, so you're going to save money compared to popular hosted newsletter platforms. Get started for free today at memberful.com slash upgrade with no credit card required. That is memberful.com slash upgrade. Go there and check it out. See what it could do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we move on to our next category. We're kind of moving into more entertainment apps now. We've got the All right. uh, the, the well, entertainment awards, I should say. We've got the app awards taken care of. So move to entertainment. And we start with game of the year. Okay. I would like to, to start here and just give an emphatic recommendation for Marvel Snap. This game is so goddamn good. Like, All right, please explain it to me like somebody who doesn't know what Marvel Snap is. Yes. Marvel Snap is a card game, right? Like a collectible card game where you play against each other. You know, like a, like a Magic the Gathering, like a Hearthstone, right. you know, like Pokemon, okay. that kind of idea. But it's using the Marvel property, right? So it is a, a, a very simplified version of a game like this. You have a small deck. You, and each game, like each actual game, is timed to last about three to four minutes. There are six rounds, and each of those rounds has a ticking clock on it, so it can only last for so long. And the cards are very simple. You have a cost of the card and how much damage the card can do, and then there are some uh, some cards have additional powers to them that they can maybe change uh, an outcome or change the power of other cards, that kind of stuff. But don't worry about that too much if you're just trying to learn what the app is. And effectively, you're just playing against people in these very short games. Uh, you're you know, looking at the cards that you have in your hand and in your deck and picking the ones that you think are going to give you the best strategy for winning the game. Uh, because you are playing against real people, mostly there are bots, but you're, they try and match you up with real people as much as possible. It kind of, you know, when I win, 
I feel this sometimes can feel this real sense of accomplishment. If I pull off a strategy, I've got a strategy going into a game and I win the game, oh, it feels so good. And you're also collecting up the cards as well. And so you have like a collection of cards and they all have great art and you can update the visuals of them. You can kind of like upgrade the cards. It is a very, very good. So you hear me say all of this. I tell you it's free and you're like, oh, here we go, right? You can play this game as much as you want, as often as you want, without paying them a cent. Hmm. The only thing that you... that So there are a couple of things that you can pay for. You can pay for currency in the game if you want to upgrade your cards faster. But all that upgrading the cards does is just change their visuals. It doesn't change the cards how they play. And you can't buy more powerful cards, really. There are some, like asterisks to that they might sometimes have a special event where you can buy one card but it's not like you can go in and be like give me a pack of cards and maybe in those six i might get one that's good no you know what you're buying if you're going to do that they also have their battle passes Mm. where you can play to earn everything pretty much in the battle pass which is like an event season but you can also pay them a bit of money to jump forward a few levels but all it does is just gives you some unlockables but again those unlockables by and large won't necessarily change the way that you play the game it is so good. The tutorial is so good. If you've never played a game like this before, like I had never played a card game like this before, their mm-hmm. tutorial is so good at explaining how to play this kind of game and you come out of it and you feel great and you just get like slowly, they slowly divulge the pieces of the game to you and then eventually you'll let out into the world and you don't really know at what point that begins, which is also very interesting. Like, it's hard to tell where the tutorial ends and you're actually playing the game with real people begins. It is a truly fantastic iOS game. It's also on the Mac because they 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 did they checked the checkbox so you can play yeah, the iOS good. game on the Mac. Uh, I adore Marvel Snap. Like I only really checked this out because I love Marvel, right? So it was like an IP that I like. But it is taking the games industry by storm this year just because of how good it is like it is so well made it's a wonderful game uh my nomination i've already talked about which is not words by zach gage which is the rare game you know you know me mike i'm very skeptical about add any like added burden on my time right i'm like what is this gonna cost me and like do a puzzle every day it's like oh you know do I really want to commit to doing a puzzle every day? Well, well, I don't. <laughs> and, and we've talked about my game playing. Right, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this in, in reference to the play date. And it's like, I'm really bad at playing games because I just always end up prioritizing something else that I'm doing instead of playing games. And so, although I want to play games, I just don't. And yet, Not Words got me to play uh, almost every day. And that is, uh, and, it's, and it's a great game. So that's my, it didn't ch- set the world on fire. It didn't mm-hmm. change the world. But uh, for me, it was uh, it was incredibly successful at what it did. The Upgradians voted, I think, predictably, which I understand, in that they picked three of the very best video games released this year on traditional consoles. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West at four percent, God of War God of War Ragnarok at six point three percent, and Elden Ring at eight point four percent. Uh, most game of the years in all outlets this year will be either Elden Ring or Ragnarok. And yeah, I think one one piece of context that I meant to to say with Marvel Snap this year, I've played more video games than I have in years. Like I've I got 
I'll talk about why a little bit later on in the episode, but I've been playing tons of games this year, and I've played some truly fantastic games this year. That is how good Marvel Snap is. Uh, like, mm. I love it more than all of the traditional games that I've played this year. I will say I have yet to play God of War Ragnarok because I haven't been able to get my PlayStation set up at my new house. I have tried Elden Ring, and it's just not for me. Right. So I would like to propose Marvel Snap as Game of the Year, not yep, Words, I'm and with Elden you. Ring as our runners-up. Yep, sounds good. All right, so we're going to move into favorite movie. I would like mm-hmm. you to start this one off for us. All right, I had four that I rated very highly on um, on my diary on Letterboxd because uh, that was the repository of my brain of what did I watch this year. It's nice to have a repository uh-huh. for that stuff. Um, and so I was able to quickly go through. These are the four that I wanted to highlight. In the Marvel movie category, Wakanda Forever, I think, was the best Marvel movie. A good movie, not as good as Black Panther, but um, a very good movie that does some really interesting um, things, makes some interesting choices. Um, I wanted to mention the Pixar movie Turning Red about a girl in Toronto in the 90s, 2000s, who who turns into a giant super panda. Uh, It is super stealth a Marvel movie uh, not based on any Marvel intellectual property, mind you just, it, it, you don't realize it. And then at some point you're like, this is kind of a superhero story, isn't it? It totally is. It's uh, great. I, I love that movie. Um, and then on the, in the serious theater, serious movie fronts, I wanted to point out to um, the uh, Oscar nominated, but I watched it this year. So it counts as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, and Oscar winning uh, Power of the Dog. Oh, the dog movie. The, the dog movie that we talked about. You know what? It's really good. It's powerful. Benedict Cumberbatch, directed by James Campion. It, it, it's a really good movie. I saw the dog movie. It's a really good movie. And um, on Apple TV Plus, of all places, Denzel Washington in The Tragedy of Macbeth. Interesting. A... Oh, that movie, um, a, a, a black and white, um, directed by one of the Cohen brothers. It is in a, a Shakespeare adaptation. I watched it because it was an Oscar nominee and I was interested in watching those. And I was completely blown away by it. Not just the performances, but the, the, filmmaking choices and the way it looked it was the single best experience i had watching a movie this year uh and so the tragedy of macbeth on apple tv plus i would say was my favorite movie of the year wow yeah right i'm surprised too uh oh i went with uh turning red I love, I that, love movie. that Pixar just love movie. That that's a movie. Really, it's oh so my good. God. I did so not good. expect that the movie was going to make me cry, and it did mm. big time. And so this one's a little skewed. The Batman. So two things in this. I did yes. really love this movie. Like I had a great time, but I know that part of it was the experience. Watch this in Memphis with Steven. Like it was mm-hmm. the first time I'd seen a movie with friends. In a very long time. Ah, yes. So my experience of that movie was 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 heightened by that. 
Well, let me tell you about my Batman experience because Lauren and I started to watch it and about 30 minutes in, both of us were kind of tired and mm-hmm. it was all dark and slow and I was like, this isn't working for either of us and I turned it off. I was like, that's it for the Batman. Nice try. I was kind of watching it reluctantly anyway. I think the Batman needed to be seen in the cinema. Well, hold on. I then watched ah. the rest of the Batman like five days later by myself and I thought it was really good. It's a great, it's a great movie. It's a really good movie. I was in the wrong frame of mind yeah. and I think it starts a little bit slow. Yep. Um, and I didn't really get what vibe that, that, that Matt Reeves was going for. And I, I think I brought in some of my prejudices about some of the previous Batman movies and the things I liked and didn't like about mm-hmm. them. And I'm not a fan of the, oh, it's dark and gritty and everything's miserable and it's Batman. Because, like, Batman can also be fun. Batman doesn't have to be like that. And yet I, I was like, oh, here's another movie that's dark and slow and and miserable and Batman is in it. And then I can't. I, the switch flipped when I had that moment where I thought to myself, oh, this is, they're literally doing a almost like 70s dirty mm-hmm gross, uh, grungy, uh, detective Detective crime movie or something like, or something like Zodiac, right? Like that kind of almost like a period piece, even though it's not. And once I realized like, oh, I see what you're doing here. You really are doing, not doing a Batman movie in many ways. You're doing a, a detective movie with Batman, which is great because he's supposed to be, you know, it's detective comics, all of that. And, um, and that's when it flipped over for me. And I'm like, okay, actually, I kind of enjoy this movie now that I understand what it is. But it took me a second try <laughs> to get there. But I did get there. I think that there's a reason that, so far at least, it seems to be uh, surviving the DC reworking that James Gunn is doing yeah. right now. It seems like this yeah, no. is one of the things they're not going to get rid of. It does seem, it does seem that way. The Upgradians vote at 7.7% for Wakanda Forever. 16.8% for Top Gun Maverick and 22.2% for Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's a very popular movie that's mm-hmm. going to do really well, I think, during award season as well. Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. I I'm going to I'm going to expose myself as a monster and say I thought it was fine. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen I it. I didn't yet. dis I didn't dislike it and I think it probably suffers from having everybody rave about it before I saw it. This is why I haven't seen it yet. Because but I thought because of, of I, that. I thought it was yeah. fine. I, I thought it was a perfectly fine movie. I didn't think it was earth shattering. There's also a possibility here that I am so deep down in the genre that things that are maybe surprising to other people are not surprising to me. And so I don't find it as novel. Um but but yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a good movie. I just, uh, you know, I don't really understand. It didn't meet, match up with the raves that I saw from other people about it. But I, I get why people love it. I know so many people love it. When we did the Incomparable episode about it, I just opted out. I had people who loved it talk about it because I, I didn't want to hear me talk about it. I wanted to hear the people who loved it talk about why they thought it was great. But it didn't do that for me. So let's take a look at what we got here, right? We've got a couple of overlaps. So we've got Turning Red, mm-hmm. me and you both voted for. Wakanda Forever, you and the Upgradians voted for. You love Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah. I'm okay with Turning Red winning this category because Me that was too. one of, absolutely one of my favorites. I would want Tragedy of Macbeth to be a runner-up because it was my favorite movie of the year. And we'll also do Everything Everywhere All at Once. 
Sure. So I love that. I love because I don't think Tony Wright's going to get the nod many places. And I'm happy that we get no. to do that because that was a very big surprise to me just how much I love that movie. Me too. Me too. I mean, it was a Pixar. I, I thought it would be good. I, 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 my expectations were sort of zero. I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't even know a lot about this movie. And I, that I was why it, was it surprised really me too. Cause it was just like, yeah. oh, it kind of came out of nowhere. It felt like at the time. I hope that, that Disney pull Pixar back together again and do what they need to do with Pixar. Yeah. Because the movie, the movies are still great, but they're just not giving them the, the market. Y- yeah. I mean, running them all on Disney Plus And mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of things going on there that they need to, they need to fix. Let's talk about our favorite TV show of the year. Oh boy. So many choices. So Good year many. for TV. It's a great year for television. Great year for television. What have you got? You want me to go? Yeah. Okay. I I I'm gonna give you five. Okay. Of a list that will probably I when I think about this a little bit more, will end up being a top ten list that I'll post somewhere. Mm-hmm. But here are my five. You know, I watch a lot of TV. This is my thing. Yep. Uh I, I think this is my top five. Severance on Apple TV Plus. Just, you know, Chef's Kiss. Yep. I think I, I just I, I I was I was kind of skeptical. I was like, I don't know. It's like a workplace, like black comedy or uh and then and then I watched it. I'm like, this is this, this is the best. Yep. <laughs> this I is had the best. very specific places that I thought it was going to go to of like People have relationships in both sides, and then those relationships collide like romantic ones. And none of like you know, he just like it's like that was what I thought the show was going to be. Nah, wasn't that you know? So like again, like you, I was very surprised with with where it went. Uh, yeah, exactly. It 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 uh it surprised me in all good ways. Andor, the Star Wars show, mm-hmm. and I will say, if you are a person who is skeptical of uh like uh, Star Wars shows. And uh, and sci-fi shows and oh well, when you say that it's the best show, what you mean is that it's the you know best of a with an asterisk, the best of this the kind best franchise show. show or exactly, yeah. or you're 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 grading it uh, up a little bit because it, it was like oh no, Andor is legitimately one of the very best TV shows of the year. TV shows of the year. Not good for Star Wars, not good for genre, just good. Just good. You could watch it not caring about Star Wars, and it is good. It, it, it is, it's legitimately that good. And that was also a surprise, because I went into that show thinking, ah, okay, like it's a guy from, that, from the Rogue One movie who is a sort of secondary character, and somehow that, you know, somehow he's got a show. And what will that be about? And it's a prequel to a prequel. And I don't understand what it's all about. And it was, um, it just legitimately great. Legitimately all the way. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. The reason I didn't start it when it started, because I was very much, I already knew the fate of this guy. Like what stories are they really going to tell to excite me? Yeah. But I know like everyone is just praising this show. Like you wouldn't believe it's probably next up for us. I would argue I already know the fate of this guy. Any show that's got somebody at their center, right? Like, and Better Call Saul is like this too, right? <laughs> Where yeah. It's like, you know the fate of that guy, yeah. but it's not the point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's how, it's, it's, and in fact, Andor and Better Call Saul have some things in common, including the fact that they're both about sort of like 
who is this guy and how does he get where we know he's going to be uh, from okay. that other thing, okay. right? Yep, that makes sense. I Speaking of we know what's going to happen to this guy, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is making a lot of top 10 lists too, which warms my heart. It's it's just a breath of fresh air. It is it is a franchise that said we know what people actually want from Star Trek, which is they want Star Trek. They want every week they go to a different planet and have an adventure um and have a collection of really interesting characters along the way and kind of a a happy spirit of adventure and exploration which is not in the zeitgeist of what modern TV streaming TV is like, which is why the previous uh, and the other Star Trek streaming shows are all sort of like modern prestige dramas and season long story arcs and all those things. And for strange new worlds, they're like, Nope, bright uniforms go to a different planet every week. USS enterprise. We're going to, and it's literally a prequel to the original Star Trek on the enterprise with the previous captain who we know his fate, but, a, some great performances, especially Anson Mount as Captain Pike. Ten episodes, super fun. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Just a delight to watch it. And then I have two more. Uh, the Bear, uh, which is on Hulu in the U.S. Probably Disney Plus everywhere else. It I don't is know. Now, yeah. The Bear, a, a, a show about a famous chef who sort of returns to his family restaurant kind of in disgrace, sort of, after the death of his brother who ran the restaurant. And it is, for a show that is literally about people in a restaurant, and maybe people who've worked in restaurants will understand why this is, but it is one of the most intense TV shows I have ever seen and is so good. Um at being about characters and being about, uh, you know, but also being about action and like it, it it's, yeah, it, it was a, sh- a breath of fresh air and a shock and it's so good. It's, it's just, I don't know what to say about the bear. Um, watch it. You will be glad you did. And then finally, I'm going to say the latest season for all mankind at number five on my list. Um, uh, you know, Apple TV plus show, very good. Had a new season. It's all about going to Mars um, that show builds the tension like no other show on TV <laughs> in some ways. And although it is sort of increasingly outlandish in a lot of ways, like I could not stop watching episode to episode. Yep. Really just a what a what a roller coaster ride of sort of near future sci-fi-ish action. Um just that that show is a great show and I love it. That's my five. Uh my list goes She-Hulk at number four. I really loved She-Hulk. It gave me exactly what I wanted from a Marvel show. It's a good show. Good breaking some ground, being being um funny, funny. and a little meta. And, and I wanted smart. I wanted to see her as a lawyer and we got that. Like uh, it was the yes. one thing I wanted from the show is I wanted I wanted Jennifer Walters, right? Like I wanted to right. see her do law and we got that, right? And it was yes. hilarious. <laughs> superhero law yeah. it's, i mean it's it is she hulk attorney at law right like that yeah. was the joke and also the subject matter is in the title there yeah. and it's yeah that was a that was very good uh you mentioned it earlier but better call Saul finished this year just sublime such a good tv show uh that is a show that builds drama almost unlike anything else i will agree with you that for all mankind which is my second favorite show of this year i could not believe 
what they pulled off in this season. It was just like, I don't understand. It was like every episode, even the first, the, the, the opening episode is one of the most nerve-wracking opening episodes of any TV show I've ever seen. Like, they took things to such a level, it felt like that there couldn't have been the rest of a season. It's like, how are you going to continue from this point? Yeah, superb. And again, like, the season ends, and it's just like, we know there's another one coming, I think, I assume. I, d- I don't recall if they've, yeah. they've done it. But, I mean, I couldn't remember if Apple, like, officially announced that, like, hey, we're doing it again, but I'm sure they have. Uh, but it's, again, we're in this situation with the show where it's like, I don't understand how you will continue making this show based upon everything that you've done, but handled just wonderfully. Such a fantastic show. But it's just easy. The best television show this year was Severance. Like, I just think it's not I, even up for any argument. Like, it was the I, best I, TV show. I agree. No, yeah. it's... it's. I had the... Um, Alan Sepinwall, the TV critic for Rolling Stone, tweeted out a uh, a message that was... You can't do ties. You can't do also rans. Name the best show you saw this year. One, just one. And I thought that was a really interesting challenge because mm-hmm. it's a lot easy making these lists. And it made me sit there and think for a while about specifically about Severance and Andor. And it's Severance. It is. And a lot, a lot of my pals are like, oh, Andor is the best show. And it's like, nah, I got to go with Severance. It is. I, I think it is the best. The best. I think maybe a lot of people, including me, forget that Severance came out in 2022 because it was early. Maybe so. It was early. So like, it feels like it was a 2021 show, but no, it came out in 2022 and it was super yep. uh, the best. The Upgradians went 5.2% for House of the Dragon. Okay. 22.7% for Andor and 26.1% mm. for Severance. Uh, we're all in sync here. So I think Severance is the winner, Andor, and For All Mankind as runs up. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Favorite book category, which unbelievably I have a nominee for. Oh, boy. After Steve. Boo. I liked it and I read it. Boo. All right. You can boo me. Boo. I read the book. I read a book this year that came out this Congratulations. year. And so I'm not. Is it also the worst book you read this year? Uh, No. But because uh, okay. I've read more than one book, and I wouldn't say the other book okay, that good. I read I liked, I wouldn't have called it the worst, but I just didn't like as much as After Steve. Technically, that's the worst book you read because mm-hmm. you only read two. Mm-hmm. All right, I I I have a problem with that book. It has lots I of know. interesting things in it. It there is an upgrade plus episode where we yes. talk about it. I I don't remember mm-hmm. offhand which one it was, but there is an episode uh, where we talk about it. I'll see if I can find it. Okay, yeah. Not, not for me. Not for me. Um, I read fifty books this year, <laughs> and, and you know it happens. That's uh-huh. why I'm not playing games. Uh, my three favorite books of the year: The Golden Enclaves by Naomi Novik, which is the third book in her uh, Scholomance series. We just uh, are, 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 I guess, about to do a an incomparable episode about that whole series. Great three book series. Now done. This was the last one. And, you know, some series start with a bang and then they kind of fade out as they go. And this didn't do that. It did the reverse. Uh, It built up uh, everything that you've learned in the first two books and then uh, starts to interrogate some parts of the premise of the books while it brings it to a a really rousing climax. Uh, The Golden Enclaves is... um, well, the whole series, it's a it's kind of Harry Potter-esque only in the sense that it is about a, a magical school that people go to for high school. 
except that uh, most of them don't survive it. Most of them die. Okay. And they're locked inside for for four years. And then some of them come out at the end, but mostly they don't. And uh, and we follow some students who are in that school. And it's it's brutal and really interesting. And it's just great. Uh, great story. Uh, fairy tale by an author, a young up-and-coming author you may not have heard of, named Stephen King. It's great. It, it, it would is, be funny it if it was like, yeah, no, not that one. That would be hilarious. Yeah, no, no, it's that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's that one. It's Stephen King at, I, I would say there are some different Stephen Kings, right? There's the horror writer Stephen King, and there's this kind of like mythic fantasy writer Stephen King. And this is that. This is that mythic fantasy writer. Um, my favorite Stephen King book is probably 112263, which is the book about a guy who goes back in time to try to stop the Kennedy assassination, except well, it's way more complicated than that. And it's and that book is great because it's emotional and lyrical. It's sad. It's it's kind of about what history means and how history affects us and how you you can't change your own personal history and what it means to learn and grow as a person. I mean, it's it gets into lots of different areas. And it, fairy tale kind of reminded me of that. That said, fairy tale is a book about uh ultimately about a magical portal to another world and a kid who goes through it. But even in that, the book takes its time to, before the portal even is found, <laughs> to get you to know who this kid is and and what the rules of the world are and who's the old man who is basically guarding the portal. Um, I I loved it and I couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. So if, if uh, you know, if you don't, I think there are a lot of people who don't read Stephen King. I think there are also a lot of people who read C Stephen King selectively. But this is, I think, one of his very best, and it's the kind of Stephen King that I really like, which is a little more dark towery, a little more in that epic fantasy kind of category, and not the uh, not the horror horror spooky stuff. I will say, like on that, it is wild to me that Stephen King is continuing to put out books that people like. Mm -hmm. Like I just kind of, I kind of can't believe that. Because just because of how many he's done now, you know what I mean? It's just like I don't think there are many people that have had the kind of career that he has had. He's been writing like a novel or two a year since the seventies, and basically. he's still yeah. doing stuff still that people it. like. You know, like he, yeah, that's just wild to me. Like this doesn't ha like musicians don't have this kind of success, right? And in general, yeah, right? Very rarely, like, authors yeah. don't, movie makers, you know, don't like he has an almost unparalleled levels of of success. Stephen King is really yeah. really interesting. And the uh, third book, it's actually a novella, it's, so it's it's kind of short, that I adored this year is Elder Race, which is by the British author Adrian Tchaikovsky. And it is a delightful story that is simultaneously, well, okay, inter, interleaved oh chapter by chapter, a science fiction story and an epic fantasy story that are happening at the exact same time. It just matters which character is narrating. I love the premise of that. It is because there is a wizard Harry. who needs to solve a problem in it that a princess brings to him. And there is also a very oh, old yeah. and depressed space traveler uh -huh. who, it, who one of the locals on the planet that he's been observing because he's an anthropologist is, comes with a warning that possibly some rogue leftover technology has gone awry. It's the same story. It's huh. great. Huh. And it's short. 
And Adrian Tchaikovsky is a brilliant writer, but this is just a little novella and it's, I loved it to death. Um, and so, so yeah, I'm going to say, and, and I'm going to say that was my favorite, although Elder the Golden Enclaves was also great and Fairy Tale is also great, but Elder Race is the one I keep telling to people. I love the idea of that book. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it's so good. At 4.5%, the Upgradians voted for The Lost Metal by Brandon Sanderson. Okay. 5.2% for After Steve by Trip Mickle. What can I say? Me and, by the way, it's episode 427 of Upgrade. If you subscribe to Upgrade Plus, there is a very long after show where me and Jason have a fight about this book. <laughs> mm. uh, and at 14.6%, The Nova Incident by Dan Moran. Don't know oh, that guy. Dan, he's just doing his job. He's he's out there with his street team. Uh huh. They're he's marketing that on the, the latest book. It's a very, really good book and a really good series. You should you should read them all. The Galactic Cold War by Dan Morin. All right, what are we gonna do here? Well, uh, this one is typically for you to stack, right? Like, yeah. So I want to know what what you're feeling. I mean, obviously, I would like Half to Steve as a runner up, but it's if you can handle that, you know. Oh man. Uh, okay, let's say Elder Race is the winner. Okay. Um, let's make the Golden Enclaves a runner-up, and we need one more runner-up. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. It's a Nova incident. <laughs> Dan Moran is a three-time <laughs> runner-up uh, in the upgrades now. And I, I, I've got to say, I love that you, you cannot do it, right? You cannot. Can't do it. You just can't do it. If there, was, if there was a real, like, empty hole there where there was nothing, but I can't do it. No. Can't do it. No. We're going to move into the brand new category now. Favorite podcast. Yeah, I mean, new, and yet it's really just the combination of several categories. Yeah, but it's a new category now. It's like, but it is, as you say, it is a smush. It's a smushing together of all the podcast categories. And so for this, I'm going to recommend a show uh, that was new for me this year, even though it's been going on for a long time. But it's an example of the type of show that I love the most is the type of show that I make. It is the Kind of Funny Games cast. So Kind of Funny is a podcast network. They are audio and video. I tend to watch their shows as video rather than audio. I just think the presentation is nice and I like to do that. Um, they have a bunch of different shows. They do games, they do games news, they do uh, pop culture stuff, movies, TV shows. But one of their shows is the Gamescast, which is just focused on video games, what the what they're playing, reviews, that kind of stuff. But while it has this topic, it is just as much about the relationships between the hosts than it is about the show itself. And where it takes it even further is like there are like between eight to twelve kind of funny hosts, and they kind of rotate onto the show depending on who's gonna be there. And there are just like, it's it's like us, right? Like there are relationships between everybody. There are feuds occurring between the hosts that sometimes it was spoke about on this show, but now it's coming into this one. You know, like it is as much about their relationships as it is about the type of topic, right? And you get both. And that's what I love. I love that about Kind of Funny in general. And the games cast is maybe my, my favorite because it. they also have a show called the Kind of Funny podcast, which is just like, four of them to get together and they just talk about whatever. And I love that show, but it doesn't have a structure. It doesn't have a, a guiding light where the games cast does. So if there's nothing funny happening, they'll just talk about the video games that they came to talk about. So like, I think it's like a perfect example of the type of show that I like to make and enjoy too. 
Um, I also wanted to mention the Always Sunny podcast. As like, you know, over the last few years, I keep finding these shows that are about a TV show made by the people who made the TV show. It's like that next level up from the, like a lot of stuff that you do on The Incomparable, right? Like where it's like, we like this show, we're going to talk about it. Then all of a sudden it became uh, financially viable for hosts of the shows to do it. Uh, the fascinating thing about the Always Sunny podcast is the show is still running. Like a and the host, the, and it's not just, and the hosts of the they show. They run forever. <laughs> yeah, the hosts of the show weren't just on the show. They made, the, they make the show, right? So like, it is really unique yeah. in that. It's like, they are the creators, showrunners, and stars of a currently running television show. And they're on, and like, for example, now they are referencing and talking about the fact that they are in the writer's room for the next season. I love the Always Sunny podcast. Again, it's it's a show that I watched the video of rather than listen to the audio for. Mm. I actually switched over. Like they started doing a video show, and then at a certain point, there were a lot of visual gags. Just how it happens. This is why we don't do video, by the way, because you you just can't help but get into video. And so yeah. I'm, you know, I decided to start watching it, and I just love it. It is fantastic, and it's hilarious. It is as you know. I just I actually prefer the Always Sunny podcast to Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and it is a show I enjoy. But like, I just really find those three guys fascinating, and they they have a producer on the show who's a producer uh, on Mythic uh, producer and co creator on Mythic Quest, Megan Gantz. Yeah, uh, right. and she is like was originally like off camera, but now is part of the show too, and so it makes up the four of them, and it, they're just as a group, just excellent. So I wanted to mention that one too. They're my two uh, podcasts I'm bringing to the table. Okay, that's good. All right, so I I struggle with this Mm because I have very limited time to listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so there are very few podcasts that I listen to every episode of, but I do dip in here and there to various other podcasts. And and, uh, there are ones that I've found that I've I've enjoyed and I want to recognize at least a little bit. One of them is the Playdate podcast from Panic. Yeah. Because I think it's a well-produced podcast you know, produced with care show, you know, a little company with little uh, game device that they are selling and they want to do. So it's marketing, I guess, but it's mm-hmm. also sort of just good storytelling about about how the product came to be. And this year it's been also about how the software came to be and telling the stories of the people who've written the games. Their first episode, which was in April, the story of Playdate, it's 100 mm-hmm. minutes. It's one of the best podcast episodes I've ever heard. It's just sublime and incredible and so well done. Yeah, it's it's the the story of how the product came to be and then the stories of the people who are making the games yeah. and like it's just a very well produced podcast mm-hmm. about an interesting subject. Um so I wanted to shout out Playdate Podcast. Uh there is a podcast called Origin Story, which I really like and I've listened to a few episodes of. Um this is Origin Story by Ian Dunt, the uh, British politics writer, um, uh. and Dorian Linsky. Uh-huh. Uh, and the idea there is they talk about um, the real stories behind what they say is the most misunderstood and abused ideas in politics. So they take a, a phrase or a word and they unravel it and say sort of like, where did this come from? And why do we use this term? And I think it's very smart because they're trying to go beyond the sort of like, 
any any of the phrases, I'm not going to even mention the phrases that they cover because any phrase that they cover has a hot button meaning. And you're like, oh, I know what that is. And the whole point of origin story huh. is that they unravel it and say, well, where did this come from? I think this was a, a newcomer for you last year, I think, because I've heard about this before and I think it only come from you. It's possible, or I mentioned it. I think it came out this year, though. But anyway, okay. it wasn't nominated as a newcomer last year. So I'm going to just throw it in. Smart idea for a podcast. And um, a podcast I actually listened to a bunch of episodes of this year. I think it's a great thing that they're doing it. And again, it's kind of a revamp of a show that's been on the air for a bazillion years. Um, but somebody had the intelligence to be like, let's do a podcast for our fans who want to know about like behind the scenes. And that's because this show got a new producer this year. There was a lot of drama, but it's the venerable long running American game show Jeopardy, (laughs) which I do watch every episode of and love. That's a family tradition. They have a podcast called inside Jeopardy that is hosted by one of the producers and interviews the producers and the players and talks about the gameplay and the strategies when they change the rules or they do special episodes uh, in a tumultuous year for the show where they have like they had a host and and then they they that guy and a producer and that guy left and they brought in multiple hosts and then they ended up with two hosts and they like and a lot going on um the podcast has been really fun and interesting every week to talk about sort of like what happened this week on the show and that give me that good behind the scenes stuff where they're talking about like the decisions they make and the choices they make about making the show work. Um, again, like you said about the always sunny podcast, there's something to getting that. Give me the people who make the show talking about how they make the show. It's good stuff. And I love that the, um, the executive producer of that show, who's um, Michael Davis, who's been, doing game shows forever, like who wants to be a millionaire and like endlessly is also a gigantic soccer fan. And um, his desire to view Jeopardy through a sports lens delights me Hmm. because he's like, these are players. These are athletes. These are sporting events. We need a post game show. We need post game interviews. We need to talk about it. We need to hype up the events. Like I I like it. I think it's a good way of approaching a a TV game show is to say this is basically sports for smart people. For a show that's been going for so long (laughs) and has had such a set format for so long, uh, it's probably time to do something different with it, right? But still keep the show that uh, is cool. Keep it fresh. Yeah. And when I say sports for smart people, like I, I like sports and I, I would like to, th- I'm not saying people who like sports are dumb. I think that, I think that, that lots of smart people like sports, but you know what I mean? It's like, these are people whose, whose qualification is that they stand on a stage and answer very obscure trivia questions. Right. And like, and Michael Davis's point is to say, that's a sport, right? Let's treat it like a sport. Uh, even though, you know, yes, it's not but treat it like it is. And I think that's kind of a brilliant insight. And that's something that I get more of by listening to Inside Jeopardy and understanding what their rationale is. And then in our own little world, I do listen to Connected. Um, Connected got slid to the top of my priority queue this year. Um, it is my number one podcast. I uh, That and the Flophouse, I guess. Right? So the Flophouse is number one. You guys are number two, but it's my number one uh, tech podcast that I, I try to tune in for every week. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's funny. You guys have a great rapport mm-hmm. and you talk about issues, but it's 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 also funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, and there are other podcasts that do that. The Rebound does a good job of that too. Mm-hmm. I like having that change of pace, right? That's a, that's just a little bit less serious and a little bit more about the the personalities of the hosts kind of uh, knocking off each other. It's great. Yeah, which is like 
exactly what kind of funny games cast is for me, right? Because it's a similar thing. It's like I want to yeah. hear about video yep. games, but I also want to hear these guys make fun of each other and play pranks on each other and stuff like that. Uh, the Upgradians voted. So I'll say something about this when we're done. Uh, Six point four percent Quartax, seven point six percent Upgrade. We've made we finally made some waves this year. Uh, and thirteen point nine percent is connected. So here's the thing mm. that I didn't I didn't expect this to happen. Um, but it makes sense. Once again, we established that Upgradian's favorite podcast is connected. Yep, this keeps happening. Uh, but I think, <laughs> hey, you know, I, they don't said, want us I to get assume... too confident. They don't want us to get too cocky. No, they I don't. just assume they're like, oh, I'm listening to the show. Obviously, I already love the show. They don't, you know. Yeah, I think the that's the truth of it. But uh, it just makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> we got to give them something to aim for. Uh, mm-hmm. I. Did not expect this to be so relay dominated. I did not expect this to be all shows that I'm on would end up being what happened uh-huh. to this category. Yeah. Um, I will say that it is. I actually had an an emotional reaction when I was to- totaling these up, and it felt you know I I felt pretty humbled by it. So I I appreciate mm. that people enjoyed the shows that I'm on so much. Uh, mm-hmm. I will also use this as a reminder to say that there are a ton of great shows here on Relay FM. Go to relay.fm slash shows and find a show that I'm not on and check that one out too if you haven't already. Yeah. Right, There are a ton of really great programs. But I will also say thank you for listening to my shows and please keep listening to my shows as well. Uh, we, may need to, we may need to change the form for next year to disqualify shows we're on. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, th- I, we'll we'll keep playing around with it. But like... All right. We wanted to simplify it, and obviously, listeners of our shows will like the shows that we make, right? That would be yeah. my assumption, and that or at least to... the shows that you make. I mean, uh, what can none I of my shows are on this list. Well, upgrade is. I mean, yeah, okay, but the other two are not. They're they're you. They love well, and but then again, Cortex is great and Connected is great, so I get it. Uh, I would like to put the kind of funny games cast in as a runner-up. I'm not going to push for it. Okay. To win. Great. Um, and then I will abstain from deciding the winner. Late <laughs> uh, Eight Podcast is the other runner up. Okay. And uh, Connected is the winner. Thank you very much. So, what this does is because we're going to look at the, we're including the tech podcasts here. So, that now makes Connected a two time uh, winner of an upgrade. I thought about making upgrade. The runner-up, because I thought it would be funny. Mm-hmm. Ru- Upgrade was the runner-up last year. <laughs> and the year before. <laughs> there is something funny about our own podcast never quite winning. Never, just never doing enough to get it over the it. line. But that's what that's what I would say for this year. Yeah, well, I like that we're simplifying the categories. I do wonder if... We'll see how we feel about this for next year. Because if this ends up happening every year... Uh, I mean, eventually, all of my, all of our shows, will just get lifetime achievements and just fall off the yeah, wagon. Yeah, that's a lot. Right? It's like, but like, you know, it's like if we didn't yeah. do it, ATP would be here every single time, right? And so, mm-hmm. yeah, we're gonna have to work that out. Uh, but I will say for this time, thank it's you very an much. It felt category. Felt, it yeah. felt pretty good to me. I will say, it felt pretty good to me. This episode is brought to you by Hover. Have you ever thought about starting your own business? Maybe you want to create a brand, share your wealth of knowledge with the world, or use the years of experience that you have in your chosen subject area to create something for yourself and share with others? Hover wants you to help you take that first step in getting your ideas off the ground. 
If you've had something you've always dreamt of building, or maybe you have a business that you want to take online, the first step is finding a domain name that works for it. Hover makes this incredibly simple with a clear and straightforward user experience, easy-to-use tools, and truly amazing support from friendly humans. And it's never too late to step up to the plate and share what you have to offer. And this is something a lot of people think about as a new year is beginning as well. Uh, getting online has helped thousands of people around the world reach new heights with their businesses. Uh, I love Hover. I have over 70 domain names I, I looked recently registered with Hover because they make it so easy. So I keep registering them. But I also think domain names are important, right? Um, you can give a long domain name or you can create a domain name that shortens it out. Like, for example, with Upgrade Plus, you can go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash join to sign up or you just go to getupgradeplus.com. And where do you think I've registered getupgradeplus.com? Obviously at Hover. In addition to the classics like a .com, you can also get .shop, .tech, .art. I was overjoyed recently to find out .lol exists. Didn't know that was a thing. I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet, but I'm going to do something. And with over 400 more domain extensions to choose from, you'll be able to find the perfect domain name for your business, one that is memorable, relevant, and boosts your brand. You can buy a domain, set up custom email boxes, and point it to your website in just a few clicks. If you're ever running into any trouble, help is just a phone call or chat away. It is secure, simple, and reliable. Hover is trusted and a popular choice amongst millions of people launching any kind of brand or business. If you're ready to get your idea off the ground and find that perfect domain name, go to hover.com slash upgrade and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's hover.com slash upgrade to get 10% off your first Hover purchase. A thanks to Hover for the support of this show and Relay FM. What is your favorite Apple product of 2022? Well, that's a big question, isn't mm -hmm. it? A lot of good Apple products this year. Uh, M2 MacBook Air this year. AirPods Pro 2 this year. Mm -hmm. Loved them both. A lot. Bought them both. Right? Mm -hmm. But there's another uh, Apple product that I bought this year that I, that I love, that I bought. <laughs> and it blew our minds when it was announced. Yep. Because a new Mac in a new category that we haven't seen before. What is this thing? That's the Mac Studio. And uh, Mac Studio is my favorite Apple product of the year. Um, I I bought the base model, basically, but I love that they... Remember, that this is the product they rolled out. It's the fastest Mac ever. I believe the high-end M2 Ultra or M1 Ultra Mac Studio, mm -hmm. like this little thing, it's the fastest Mac ever. And uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, so I feel like... It may we may never see its like again, Mike. We may never see its like again, but this year we saw it. I don't really have a lot of thoughts about the Mac Studio other than the fact that I think it's an interesting product. You know, it, I decided it wasn't one for me, and it's also a weird product in its own way. But that kind of makes it kind of adorable. Uh, it, but no matter what, it was easy for me. The M2 MacBook Air is actually my favorite Mac of all time. Huh? It is. A perfect laptop. It's pretty good. I have I'll no, I have zero problems with it. Like, it is the I have never found a better, I've never experienced a better combination of portability and power. And mm. it is so powerful, <laughs> and it is so thin, and it is so light. Uh, it is just an absolutely wonderful computer. It is, it's my favorite Mac that I've ever owned. Like, it just makes me happy and. 
it's just like yeah another reason why it's like i'm just all in on the mac now like and that that laptop is just absolutely perfect like i can put it in my backpack every day take it to and from the studio so i can have it at home if i ever need it uh and i barely know it's in my bag right like it is outstanding i get that there are more po- more powerful laptops i get that i get that there are laptops with better screens and more ports like get totally get it there are more powerful and feature rich mac laptops available and yet i think if you looked at the m2 macbook air and what it can do you know and you could say like oh what well, 20 years ago boy it would blow people's minds 2 years ago it would blow people's minds right yeah 3 years ago it would completely blow people's minds it of of users of any any mac laptop and it's the not quite low end because they kept the M1 around and put this in at a higher price, which is one of the unfortunate things about it is that it 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 can't yep. hold down nine ninety nine at this point. Will eventually probably, <laughs> but not yet. But what it's capable of doing, and and we've struggled with this in the computer world for a very long time now, which is as uh, Moore's law advances and we get these more powerful computers. Yeah, we add more features that take advantage of the power and to do different things and. You know, there's now machine learning processing. There's all this stuff going on. But the truth is, a long time ago, we left the era where computers were not powerful enough for 95, 98% of the people who use computers. We did that actually kind of a long time ago. But even if you'd argue, yes, but there were these edge cases, like we've definitely left it now. That I, I would argue that unless you are an incredibly high-end Mac user, which a lot of our listeners are. But I would say even among those people who self-identify as high-end Mac users, you know, like if you get a 14 or a 16-inch MacBook Pro, I think you're probably doing it for the ports and the screen and not the power because almost nobody needs more power than the M2 MacBook Air. That's amazing to me. Um, There are nice things about those MacBook Pros and when they get their M2s, they're going to be really fast and I get it. But like the M2 is so powerful and has no fan. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and again, yes, are there edge cases? Of course there are, but they are so edgy now. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great laptop. I bought one. I love it. It has changed my travel uh, math as well in that I uh, went for a long time just trying to avoid bringing my MacBook Air with me. Yep. And now I bring my MacBook Air with me because it's so light and so completely capable. Two ports, that it... MagSafe, like, come mm-hmm. on. Come on. Yeah, the Mag- MagSafe's really nice. And and just having it to do all the Mac things and be so capable, it's just as capable as my desktop, right? I, yep. could, I could not have my Mac Studio and just have my MacBook Air plugged into this yep. display and... A bunch of things I do would be slower. It's it's absolutely true, but uh, not really any slower than like the iMac Pro I was using before. <laughs> so it would be fine. The Upgradians voted at 16.9% for AirPods Pro 2, 17.5% for Apple Watch Ultra, and 18.6% for the MacBook Air M2. AirPods Pro 2, super good. I yeah. love them. So I, I would propose that we give MacBook Air M2 the the mm-hmm. win and have the runners-up be the Mac Studio and the AirPods Pro 2. I 
Not only do I agree with you, I'd already written it down in my Google Sheet because I knew that was mm. where we were going to go with this. Right? It just felt like obvious to me. That's because uh, we are on top of this. Yep. <laughs> That's because this is the ninth Upgradies and it's episode 439. We're yep. on it. What's your favorite non-Apple product this year? I struggle with this because I always think like... I. I don't feel like I accumulate lots and lots of products throughout the year. I really don't feel like I do that. And this that's what ends up being in this category a lot is like other stuff that I have accumulated that's not not directly for my job. Although I will say, uh, as a runner-up, I'm going to say the keyboard you made for me. Oh, okay. So that's the Keychron Q... Well, it's a Keychron Q1, Q1, but it's also with a, with the Kiwi switches that you mm-hmm. you you lubed with a little paintbrush and it's got the i've got the um uh the the key caps are from um drop but they're um the severance ones they're they're the severance yeah. ones uh that's one of my favorite non-apple products of the year but i'm gonna say the play date oh that's a good one that's fun i love that it i love that it exists finally yeah and I love the design of it, and I wish I played it more. And although I think it's a knock against it that I haven't played it as much as I would like, I think it's a uh, a case for it that I want to play it more. Uh, I have become a Sonos customer. Oh, boy. It's a whole world there. I love it. I'm mm-hmm. just using it for audio. I bought a bunch of things. And, yeah, it's fantastic. Like it was something I wanted for a new home. I wanted to just have more music in the home more easily. Um, I I kind of don't like the way that you play music on HomePods. I I find it really awkward to control with the phone. Sonos does such a good job with their app. Like I just kind of can't believe how good their app is. I also don't even understand how they're able to do all the things that they can do. Like. I've signed in to Sonos with my Apple Music. Nadina has signed in with her Spotify, and we can both get to all of our music in the in in the Sonos app. Like it really is bananas how well it works. Uh, I love how easily it, like you can you know the one of the things about Sonos right they kind of invented the idea of uh, the 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 same song being played in multiple places right like multiple devices that was kind of their thing from a very long time ago. And they really know how to make that work well. Like when you adjust volume in the app, you you know you can move it up and down, but then you automatically get the controls to adjust every single volume level of all of the Sonos speakers that you have. Um, so I have uh, Sonos Move, which is the movable one. Uh, I have Sonos One, which is that kind of regular one. And I have Five, and I got that because I can plug my record player into it. And I can play records on my Sonos system. It's just like so good. Absolutely love it. Do not know why they had Giancarlo Esposito as the like their voice, like their like a voice assistant. <laughs> He's a great voice, but it's like villain. He's a villain, but love it. You know, I say like, you know, please stop the music. And you know, and and, and Gus Fring tells me, yeah, he's going to stop the music. It's like great. Uh, I saw him by the way. Uh, he was on my plane when we were coming back from LA. Uh, and but my my the my favorite non Apple product of the year is the Valve Steam Deck. This thing, unbelievable. Uh, it has changed my life. Uh, spoilers for later on. It lets me play so many more video games, and lets me play just like the best video games possible in the palm of my hand. Like mm-hmm. this thing is 
just it is so good it defies logic like when i heard about this thing and they showed up I was like, there's no way this thing is going to be comfortable or work well and turns out it is comfortable to use and works well like uh they know how to make things for video games over at valve they did an unbelievably good job the steam deck is absolutely fantastic the Upgradians voted at 2.8% with the LG C2 OLED TV. Just like fascinating to me that that was in there. Is that John Syracuse's TV? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, he has a Sony. Interesting. He went with a Sony. Huh. I have the LG uh, C1 OLED and love it. So oh. I agree. Like the, <laughs> So last year. I know, right? Uh, the Panic Play Day at 9% and the Steam Deck at 13.6%. All right. What do you think? I would be very happy giving this to the Playdate. I mean, we could. We could give it to the Steam Deck. You you and, and the Upgradians definitely picked it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would be happy either way around. Well, I mean, hmm. Like, like what Playdate is, is... The Steam Deck is a better product. Like, yeah. And it is better at what it Let's Let's do. give it to the Steam Deck and okay. we'll have the Playdate as a uh, as a runner-up and if you want to pick a sonos thing and put it in there as a runner-up uh, that's great too i will pick the sonos move okay so we now move into the worst gadget or most disappointing <laughs> technology of the year uh, i would like to just throw mine out there real quick which is just the 11 inch ipad pro like the ipad mm-hmm. pro line in general disappointing but that one yep. specifically just bad. Like there are things it should have got, but it didn't get. Like the uh, right. the the mini LED screen. It just a ba- just like a bad lineup in general from the iPad Pro this year. But that 11 inch M2 iPad Pro, just bad. What's the name of that iPad uh, kickstand uh, case dealy? What, what what did we decide that was? It's a f- smart keyboard folio, Magic Keyboard folio. The oh is the that one that is? comes with the uh, the 10th gen iPad. So. Yeah. Magic keyboard, the folio, magic, right? Magic keyboard, folio. Magic keyboard folio for iPad. That's it because it's folio because it's it 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 doesn't have the cantilever thing. It just has a, a kickstand part on the back. Um, is that one of yours? I found. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's why I'm mentioning it. Right. I found Apple's choices with the iPad this year to be perplexing. Um, and while I understand that this probably was a cost thing, because I feel like everything at the low end of the iPad line is a cost thing, I thought that the fact that they introduced a an iPad that is roughly the same size as a bunch of other iPads, but uses a completely different accessory, and that it's an accessory that has a kickstand, which I am officially on the record as disliking, with a detachable keyboard I was, that was disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. That product is disappointing to me. Um, it really adds a lot of thickness and weight. It adds a lot of price. And I think the Magic Keyboard is is better. I understand that maybe it's just too expensive to put on a low-end iPad uh, because it is very, very expensive. But that whole thing um, disappointed me. And I think I have to say, uh, the other nominee I'm going to make is is center stage cameras. Not just the one in the studio display, because while I've been a fan of center stage, the criticism of the center stage camera in the studio display has made me realize that all center stage cameras look like that because they're all using that wide, the ultra wide lens and then panning and scanning within it. 
and the image quality is not great, even though the auto auto uh, pan and scan is. Um, and in terms of disappointing, uh, not only was it put in the studio display and obviously dis- disappointed a lot of people, but uh, with continuity camera on uh, on iOS 16 and and macOS Ventura, you can put your iPhone with that amazing camera, or even last year's iPhone or the year before's iPhone with their amazing cameras on the top of your screen. But then when you turn on center stage, what you don't you don't get the really really good camera panning and scanning. You get the wide angle camera that's not very good panning and scanning and it ends up as that same lousy image quality as on the on the display. So mm-hmm. then you have to like turn it to the regular camera at which point it's not cropped right. It's a whole mess. And I think that I think Apple is too enamored with center stage as a concept and um and the execution isn't good enough. Like I would say the idea of center stage is good. But the hardware that they are having to use to power this feature is not good. They keep recycling the same 12 megapixel wide angle camera. Yeah. And I think that I think that in a casual setting on an iPad, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think at your desk in a meeting, it if you know, in the right lighting it can be okay, but in any other lighting, it's not okay. And there's no fallback on the studio display. And I would say the problem with continuity camera, which is a great feature, is if you decide not to use center stage, you are left with a really bad crop. And Apple gives you no tools to crop it better, even though it's a very high quality camera that's got plenty of resolution to give. Apple gives you no... So so on one level, I, th- I feel like the center stage stuff also exacerbates Apple's bigger issue it's got with um with forward facing cameras just not there's just not enough going on there it's just not quite right so the upgradians voted thusly 6.8% twitter we'll get to that later on uh 7.1% the ipad pro 2022 so the whole line i combined the the, mm. the line and 8.25% the meta quest pro this one is ah. curious to me um, of like why people have put this one in there. I think it was meant to be a game-changing thing, and all the reviews were like, it's not. <laughs> right? It's it's yeah. a little bit better than the existing one in Cost of Fortune. But and like, it were just people was... expecting? Like, do people want it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I do feel like there is a, a tendency amongst the voting upgradians to be upset with anything Meta does. Like, I I get it. I I think though that the Quest Pro really was considered a disappointment because yeah, no, people I know thought that. that it would be more impressive than than mm-hmm. it actually ended up like, being. Eddie Robinson at the Verge had a wonderful review, just like scathing. But I would want to mm-hmm. say I'm just surprised that it was the most. Like, yeah, to this audience, the iPad Pro should be more of a disappointment. I feel mm-hmm. like. But hey, I'm surprised every year. Uh, I would like to back the center stage cameras as the most disappointing thing. You know, honestly, Mike, I think that saying the iPad Pro of 2022 as the most disappointing okay. is a good choice. Let's go with you that. said it. The Upgradian said it at 7%. And I think that it viewed as a whole, the the fact that we got a generation of iPad Pro that is essentially just a placeholder, like a carbon copy 
and we went 18 months with no changes other mm-hmm. than the chip mm-hmm. when it's very clear there should have been something and they just weren't ready for it. And so for iPad Pro users, you, you're basically treading water for another 18 months before they do something new with that product that is largely unchanged other than the chip. And, you know, I mean, yeah, largely unchanged in design since 2018. It's evolved a little bit and it evolved almost not at all this year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that being the winner, quote unquote, uh, and put center stage as a runner-up. Actually, put the MetaQuest Pro as a runner-up too. Give what, sure, why not? what they want. Yep, sure. Most life-changing hardware, uh, I'll say for me, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, is the Steam Deck. Like, I've been a, I wanted to play more video games this year. This enabled that to happen for me because it's so easy to download basically any game that I want to play because they're basically all on Steam. And because of the, you know, it's effectively a Nintendo Switch for PC games. So I can just pick it up and put it down. I just wake it and I'm back in the game again. Like, it is unbelievably user-friendly like in a way that I wasn't expecting because it is still ultimately PC gaming. Uh, every game that I've wanted to play has run really well on it. Tons of games, basically every game now is optimized to run on it because it's such a success as a hardware. Um, and now, like as of this recording you can just buy one. Like that was a thing for a while that they mm. were struggling with demand. But now you can just place an order and one will ship in like a week in most countries where they have it available. So I think this is an absolute home run um, and it's really made a massive impact on my life in enabling me to be able to more easily play the games that I want to play. It's cool. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Great idea for a product. I put the MacBook Air M2 in this category for all the reasons I said before. Yep. I travel with it now. It doesn't feel like it's compromised. Um, one of the reasons I stopped wanting to travel with my MacBook Air is that I was unhappy with the fact that, you know, with the the, the state of affairs of the Intel MacBooks and I had my iMac Pro at home. And so the, I, w- I was using the Intel MacBook Air less and less. And it was kind of, I had to update the software every time. And the M2 MacBook Air really kind of reinvigorated my love of uh, of a laptop and being able to pull that laptop out and do work on it without having it feel inferior and, and bad, where I, I just decided I was going to do it all on the iPad. So it really did, like, literally changed um, how I use devices by having that available to me. The Upgradians voted at 3.4% for the Steam Deck. 4.4% for AirPods Pro 2, 5.6% for the Apple Watch Ultra, and 8.7% for the Apple Watch. Now, this is a complicated thing for me. That's why there's four here. We usually just bring in the top three. I, w- I, I was a bit conflicted about how to score the Apple Watch because it was like Apple Watch, Apple Watch Series 8, Apple Watch, Apple, and I combined those together. But the Apple Watch Ultra, I did not combine with the Apple Watch because it felt like a different product still. Like, it felt like of the people who consider the Apple Watch Ultra to be life-changing, maybe wouldn't have with the regular Apple Watch. Like, it's like a different category of people. But I wanted to put all four of them in here to kind of, you know, you know, there's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I would, I would be very happy with the M2 MacBook Air taking this category, making it, I think, an unprecedented two-time winner in the same upgradees, which would be, which is really weird as like a thing to occur. Well, the other the other choice here is the Steam Deck, which would also be a two time winner. Right? Yeah, the reason I the reason I would lean MacBook Air is because I agree with you, right? Like mm. where you have not been able to have this experience, 
but I have had an experience like with the MacBook Air where it has also changed the way that I work. All right, let's do it then. That's wild. Same one. So we'll go M2 MacBook Air as the winner in this category. And I would like to pick the Apple Watch Ultra, like specifically, because I just think it's interesting. Um, and then maybe okay. the Steam Deck. And the Steam Deck, yeah. So, okay. So most life-changing hardware award goes to the M2 MacBook Air, which also won favorite Apple product this year. <laughs> I love that. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated, disorganized methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money, the better way to hack your finances in 2023. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they forgot about, like that streaming service that you bought to just watch that one show on that one time or that free trial that you never even used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. And canceling subscriptions is as easy as a click of a button. Just find the subscription you don't want, press cancel, and Rocket Money cancels it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. This is the way things should be. And Rocket Money will do it on your behalf. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 per year. Someone who moved into a new house recently, I am reviewing my finances and Rocket Money is a great way to do this to get rid of the things that I know I'd forgotten about. And I know as well, like I'm also going through this thing of needing to change my address on a bunch of services. So I'm like reviewing stuff and I'm like, oh, why do I still pay whatever for this streaming service? I don't want it anymore. And then I go, or like for uh, say a news publication or something, go to their website. If you would like to cancel, give us a call. Like, no, I don't want to do that. And so then I end up not doing it. You don't want to be in that situation. Get Rocket Money because Rocket Money does the canceling for you. Super easy. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash upgrade. That's R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash upgrade. Rocketmoney.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Rocket Money for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we are in our final categories of this year's Upgradies. And we're going to talk about the favorite tech story of this year. I'm going to do mine real quick because it's not going to be the winner. But there are some obvious things and they are negative things by and large. I'm going to talk about something that made me really happy this year and I was very excited to dig into, as Upgradians will know. It's the launch of Matter. Ah, yes. I loved learning about it. Um, I'm happy about the potential future that it's going to mean for the smart home. I love reading a lot of the reporting about it over on The Verge, especially, and like being able to see all the new products that were coming out. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm continuing to enjoy learning more about like what our matter future is going to be. Uh, and that felt like a positive story of something that I'm excited about rather than all of the other things. Yeah. No, it's nice to be positive. I'm going to be positive about a negative story, actually. Yes, go for it. For mine. So one of my favorite things that I discovered this year is that I discovered that a dry financial column on Bloomberg could make me laugh so hard that I cried. Okay. And it happened this year more than once. And so I just want to applaud. I mean, it started with Twitter, and we're going to get to Twitter. 
But the stuff that really made me laugh was the FTX stuff, the FTX meltdown, as covered in just, I think, the funniest, like informative, serious, and all from somebody who understands cryptocurrency and wrote a big story about it. The the day-to-day fallout of the FTX disaster, as covered by Matt Levine of Bloomberg, uh, in his uh in his excellent daily-ish column money stuff. He's a very funny guy, a very funny writer, but also super knowledgeable. And, you know, so you got to laugh, right? Like the story, the FTX story is such so disastrous. Uh, it, it's just complicated and also just horrible to have an expert who can walk you through what's going on and all the way make you laugh. It's it's a little miracle. So Matt Levine, a, a very good writer, did, started covering sort of like everything Elon Musk was doing this year, but the, I think he achieved his greatest work covering what was going on at FTX. It just, I, I can't even describe how, how good a job he did or how much he made me laugh. Yeah. Like I was having eaten lunch reading his column and just tears going down my face because it was so funny. Just what a trick for, from Matt Levine. I will say uh, one thing. I'm very happy to see that Bloomberg have a specific RSS feed for Matt Levine's column. Happy to see that. Yeah. What I will say about like the FTX thing is like not a thing that we've spoken about. It's it is technology, but it's kind of outside of what we would normally talk about on the show, right? But like, what a just banana story! Like, absolutely wild. What on earth is going on? And continuing to evolve, right? Like we're recording this show a little in advance, but like, so who knows what's going to have happened by the time that this goes out, right? But like, just a truly wild story in technology, uh, which may be like the beginning of the end for this type of cryptocurrency, or at least for the exchanges. We're not sure. The Upgradians voted at 5.4% for crypto crashing. That included everything FTX related and that kind of stuff. I just kind of lumped it in together. Sure. Similarly, at 7.3% for AI art and chatbots, but at a staggering 41.4%, Elon Musk buys Twitter. Yeah. Now, what I will say is, let's come back to that in our next category. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, we, we, why don't we? I want to give uh, AI art and chatbots a runner-up. Okay. I want to give Matt a launching a runner-up because that's some right. fun. And we're gonna put FTX by that's Matt. Great. We're FTX, FTX with a hat tip to Matt Levine. Uh, Matt Levine. Because sometimes it's that favorite story, yeah. right? When we talk about a specific story, it's his coverage put it over the top for me but yep. it is the whole crypto crashing thing is is uh is, is quite a story this year and then the way matt handled it it's just amazing we go into our final category favorite tech screw up surprise i'm just gonna start with the upgradients 2.4 percent meta layoffs take that facebook that's again i i got I don't know if I have some weird bias. Like, I'm not a fan of Meta. I'm not a fan of Mark Zuckerberg or Facebook, like, particularly. It's like, they're kind of whatever to me now. But, like, I just was just, like, a weird thing to see 2.4% of people that their favorite tech screw up this year was that Meta had to lay off people. Like, everyone's laid off people. Why is... Anyway, uh, 6% is the crashing of crypto. 
But I said staggering. How about this one? 79.1% of Upgradians voted for Elon Musk buys Twitter as their favorite tech screw-up. So I would say that this is like, depending on where you are in the timeline, it's either your favorite or just the biggest, right? So like, how could you not? Yeah. This is obviously mine too. I have enormous, yeah, mine too. I have have enormous value uh, over the years that I've gotten out of Twitter. And so seeing what's happened this year, would I call this a favorite? I mean, I don't think I would, but like- It's the biggest- I'll say a couple of things about it because we've mostly re- co- like limited our Twitter conversation to Upgrade Plus, but I'll, I'll just say a couple of things about it. One is, um, in terms of screw up, I have a hard time seeing a scenario where Elon Musk doesn't end up losing tens of billions of dollars on this. Even if he gets it stabilized, even if it becomes something else, I just have a hard time imagining that this isn't not only an enormous opportunity cost, he has other things he should be worried about. Although I, I imagine the people who work at SpaceX and Tesla are maybe even a little relieved that he's not around. He's focused on Twitter. Um, but he's going to lose tens of billions of dollars. And I think that that and, and potentially destroy a major social media site. Mm-hmm. That's a screw up. Um, and then the other thought I had was just if you had handed me a story summarizing what has happened with Twitter a year ago, I would have assumed that it was an onion story. Yeah. Because it's too outlandish. It's too ridiculous. Yeah. So many of the details are like, no, surely he didn't do that. When when this was all going on, people were like, oh, you know what he's going to do? And I'd be like, no, I mean, it's not going to be that bad. Oh, it's worse than I thought. Okay. Uh, and so, yes, it is a, um, I think it's monetarily a screw up and, uh, you know, personal brand wise, a screw up and, uh, and just, uh, whatever Twitter ends up being at the end of all of this, a screw up and uh, none of this was necessary, but here we are. Yeah. It's like a screw up in every possible, you name it, right? You name it. And it's, you name it. Right. Yeah. You know, I did not expect that this year I would leave Twitter. Like there wasn't something that I assumed would happen. It's something that I thought about for a long time, but nothing ever drove me to do it. But this was just like, yeah, I'm just, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't enjoy it anymore. Like, and, and it's not going in places that I want it to go. I, when, when this news happened, I was like, oh, interesting. Like, I think Twitter would, would fare well as a private company. And I still do believe that. But I think it also needs somebody who actually knows what they're doing. And I don't think he's the person that does. Like, and, and is just, just being a buffoon really like in, in every sense of the word. And that even like, even me saying that is like, that's not a harsh enough word, but I just don't know of a word to encapsulate his, his being right now, but he's just absolutely destroying this thing. Uh, and even if it is still around, it isn't what it was. And that's already happened. So without a shadow of a doubt, Elon Musk buys Twitter is the biggest tech screw up of this year. Might yeah. be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, right. in Upgrady's history. So I'll let yeah. me run these back quickly and we can see, right? Last year, Apple's CSAM announcement, which they're not even doing that anymore. So that's one. Mm. Quibi in 2020. 
Oh, Quibi. Oh, what? Oh, the memories. The Samsung Galaxy Fold in 2019 because it was breaking. A little sticky. Yep. In 2018, Facebook's privacy scandals. So I'm assuming that this was Cambridge Analytica then. 2017, the HomePod leak, which I don't remember. I don't know what that was. I don't. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, 2016, Samsung Note 7 exploding. Mm. 2015, Aaron Rodgers throws a surface. Oh, that was good. The HomePod leak was that they were recording audio and, and passing it around. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bad. Better. Yeah, that was yeah. pretty bad. And this one is wild because I can't believe that we were recording the show when this happened. In 2014, the Amazon Fire Phone. That feels My like phone. longer Woo. ago than our show. And yeah, I'm willing to say Elon Musk buying Twitter is the worst one of all of those. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, but Aaron Rodgers threw that tablet that one time. But that's happened so all many All the times quarterbacks since, throw those Surface yeah. tablets now. All of them. It's amazing. Tom Brady is like, forget it. Like, it's it's a product placement. Good job, Microsoft. Apple might be in that with the with the soccer, right? Oh yeah, sure. And they are in the Apple. Actually, iPads are in baseball dugouts now. So there yeah. So I run this up a meta layoffs and crypto crashing, uh, but the winner is Elon Musk buying Twitter as the biggest tech screw up of yeah. the year, and the final upgradey in Oof. the twenty twenty two. Upgrade is the ninth annual. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode. If you would like longer ad-free versions of every episode of Upgrade, including this one, go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up. If you want to find us online, you can go to sixcolors.com for Jason's work. I have yet to decide where to go for me. Uh, what about... Oh, it's, it's, it's coming up to the new year. Go to cortexmerch.com. Buy yourself a theme system journal. That's another thing that I do. Uh, thank you to our fine sponsors for this episode Rocket Money, Hover and Memberful and we'd like to thank you for listening and to all Upgradians a very happy new year to you all indeed until next year Jason Snell whoa say goodbye goodbye Upgradians and thank you <laughs>